Hello, and welcome to Flip Side of the Coin, the podcast where we take an issue, maybe political, cultural, or inconsequential, and we present a reasonable, viable argument for one side, and then the next week we do the same for the other side of the issue. Have you ever talked to someone and asked yourself, how could they possibly think that? In today's world, it can be hard to understand why some people may take a certain position on an issue, especially one that we feel strongly about. It's not uncommon, especially in today's climate, for emotions to run high when discussions turn into debates and viewpoints are challenged. Here, we aim to provide a place to help you to understand and to hear opposing views on these issues without feeling the need to defend yourself or argue back. We want you to be able to listen to a viewpoint that you may not agree with. And we want to provide a place for you to listen to it and consider it without feeling the need to put up your walls and defend yourself. Now, I want to take a moment to call out that we are not claiming to be experts here. And while we are putting in an effort to give each position we explore a fair and transparent explanation, we would never claim that we are giving an exhaustive explanation of any position. Think of us more as a starting point, as you look to understand more about the views and values of your friends and neighbors. Maybe you can use something you hear here as a conversation starter with a friend or family member as you move to learn more about why they may hold the position they do. You may be surprised as what you learn. Let's get into it. If you joined us last week, you'll remember that we began exploring the discussion as to whether the United States is better off with a strong centralized government or a more decentralized government. Last week, we touched on the fact that for many political debates, this is one of the major dividing lines that sets the stage for other key discussions and differences in schools of thought in American politics. As you pay attention to more and more debates and points of disagreement within American politics, you'll see that federal government versus state's government is a constant factor in many of these issues. Last week, we explored the viewpoint that a decentralized government was the best model for the American people, with the majority of powers being given to the individual states. This week, we are exploring the position that a strong central government is a more beneficial model for the American people. If you remember from our episode about the benefits of a decentralized government, in the early days of the United States, two factions emerged, the Federalists and the Anti-Federalists. And the points and concerns of these groups are still very relevant today. So we'll be going through some of the history and talking points of the Federalists in today's episode. If you recall, the Federalists were led by the likes of Alexander Hamilton, James Madison, and John Jay. They argued that the new country should have a more centralized or federal government because it would lead to a more stable and unified country, and therefore benefit everyone. Stability in the government can create a more stable environment for the states through uniformity in many areas, such as more unified policies between states, a more stable economy, better coordination of resources within the nation, and improved national security. These are just a few of the areas where uniformity across the country can create a more stable and robust system for the benefit of all American citizens. While there are other areas, we are going to limit our discussion today to these four as we explore the benefit of a more centralized government. One of the key benefits of a strong centralized government is having consistent policies across the nation. 
what we mean when we say policy consistency is there is more commonality and consistency in laws and regulations between states. Having uniform laws and regulations across the states makes it easier for citizens as they understand that a law in one state is the same as others. It makes operating businesses and commerce between states easier and encourages stability within the country. When states have differences in laws and regulations, it can complicate relationships between the states when operating businesses across state lines. An exaggerated hypothetical would be if Kentucky changed the law in their state so that people drove on the left side of the road instead of the right, like the rest of the country does. That means anytime a long-distance trucker crosses state lines into Kentucky, suddenly the entire road system is different. This would probably lead to more auto accidents involving drivers from out of state and more stringent borders between Kentucky and their neighbors. This would possibly lead to less businesses based in other states doing business within Kentucky, or they would have to invest in special shipping and operation vehicles in Kentucky that are state compliant. Auto manufacturers would have cars that are made specifically for Kentucky residents because the driver's side would have to be on the right side of the car while vehicles made for the other states would have the driver's side on the left. In short, this creates a more complex system and would not be to the benefit of the people of Kentucky. It also would not do any favors for the rest of the states either, as it would make more work for them to do business in or even just drive through the state. In this purely hypothetical example, the country is better off and easier to work in for everyone because the entire country uses the same driving laws and systems. Going along with this, in addition to benefiting from unified laws and legal policies, having a national fiscal and economic system across the states leads to a more stable economy that benefits the individual states. Before the U.S. Constitution was adopted in 1789, each state essentially had their own independent economy. It is true that the U.S. government was granted the powers to print money, but without a federal bank or a strong federal arm to maintain a national fiscal policy, many states and regions were printing their own currency, setting up trade barriers and tariffs between states. As the nation's first Secretary of the Treasury, Alexander Hamilton was very aware of this issue. And he saw the opportunity and potential for strengthening the U.S. economy by unifying the states under a single fiscal policy with a strong national currency. By regulating banking practices between the states and putting the country under a strong single economy, it would reduce inefficiencies and improve commerce between the states, thus allowing individual states to grow their economy, benefiting their citizens. In times of crisis, such as a natural disaster or a public health emergency, there's a major benefit to having a strong centralized government that has the tools and processes and resources in place to mobilize anywhere within the country quickly and efficiently. Having a strong federal government who has the power in place to formulate and implement a solution quickly and efficiently with the backing of the entire country can benefit each state because the states are acting in unity to the benefit of the entire country. Having coordination and being able to make use of the combined resources of the entire nation means that no matter what the issue is, whether it is a devastating earthquake in California, a hurricane in the Gulf Coast, or a major snowstorm in the Northeast, 
When all the states work together under a unified centralized government, then the states are more secure and have access to better resources than if they were on their own or only work together in a small number of cases. In addition to facilitating a better national response and system for addressing natural and internal crises, proponents of a strong centralized government argue that having a strong centralized government or strong federal government is also better equipped to handle external threats and manage national security. The Federalist movement argued that a standing army maintained by the federal government was a necessary asset that would deter foreign powers from encroaching on the United States and its people. Similar to fiscal policy under the Articles of Confederation, the majority of power for raising and maintaining an army was given to the states, with the emphasis being put on state militias rather than a standing federal army. This led to a lack of readiness against external threats, and when and if such a threat was raised, the states would have to respond by mobilizing their militias, which would take time before they were ready to deploy. And the result was a force that was not professionally trained, that would be more than likely facing a professional force with superior training and equipment. Federalists argued that having a strong standing army under the command of a federal government would allow the U.S. to protect its borders, people, and interests more effectively than raising a state-based militia any time a threat presented itself. As the U.S. has grown, the need to protect it has also grown, with an increase in scale and complexity. As the world has become more complicated, so has the need for protecting the country and its people become more complex to maintain. People who hold this position say that in the ever-evolving world that we live in, it is imperative for the security of the nation to invest nationally in a standing military that stands ready to protect the United States from external threats. Now, this position, like any other, makes some assumptions that are worth addressing. One of the key assumptions made here is that uniformity is a positive thing. Remember, the United States is both huge geographically and has one of the largest and most diverse populations of any country in the world. The position that a strong centralized government and the uniformity it would bring would benefit such a large and diverse population assumes that such uniformity would benefit people regardless of where they live or their local norms and needs. Another assumption is that making decisions for the country as a unit, specifically in the cases of national matters and international affairs, would be more efficient when handled by a central government. People who support a centralized government argue that consolidating the decision-making process into a single body allows a more cohesive and unified approach. However, in order to truly represent the people, that decision-making body would have to have representation from all regions and cultural groups within the country. For the United States, that would be a very large body with a lot of differing voices which bring potential for more need for deliberation and group-based decision-making that could potentially lead to inefficiencies and compromise. However, proponents of a strong federal government would argue that while these are indeed very real risks, the benefit of a strong, single, decision-making body outweighs these risks. 
The main aim of people who support a centralized government is, in a word, stability. We've talked a lot today about uniformity. With uniformity comes stability and reliability. Having a consistent framework in political, economic, and legal systems means that the system will be reliable and less prone to imbalance and fluctuation. By giving the main governing power to the federal government rather than the states, the system becomes more uniform throughout the country and therefore more stable. Another aim of people who support a strong centralized government is unity within the country for the benefit of the country as a whole. When the states work together in a unit with a strong centralized government, then the states can present a stronger unified force in achieving their goal, whether it is military strength, economic power, or any other goal that the country may be working towards. When working together as a unified nation, as we mentioned last week, the U.S. is the fourth largest country in the world by landmass and the third most populous country. It is also the country with the highest GDP, or gross domestic product, accounting for 25% of the world's GDP. For reference, China is a distant second with only 17% of the world's GDP, and Japan is third with 4% of the world's GDP. The U.S. is remarkably powerful in the world, and as such, supporters of a strong federal government argue that having a strong centralized governing power is necessary to protect and steer the country and its people. The United States is a unique country in the fact that it is made up of 50 individual states, and each state, as we've mentioned before, is almost as big and unique as their own country. The largest state, as far as population goes, is California which has a population comparable to Canada. The least populous state, or the state with the smallest population, is Vermont, with a population comparable to Luxembourg. While the states are diverse and their needs and their people are as well, the states are more secure and stable when working together, united. Proponents of a strong centralized government point out that a unified government for the United States while it does remove a lot of ability for state autonomy, it benefits them with more stability and security, with access to much more resources than they would have if they were governed more individually. The Federalists, in the early years of our country, saw the benefit of the states working together to find strength in that unity, which would help ensure the nation's safety and eventual growth into a world superpower. Thank you for joining us today. As we wrapped up this conversation about the viewpoints of decentralized versus centralized governing styles, we hope this opportunity to listen to another side of the issue has maybe helped you see those who take that position with a little more humanity and understanding. We'll catch you on the flip side. <laughs>